1: Three, two, one, and we're back. It is January the 20th. It is Inauguration Day. I understand our new president will be standing in front of a bunch of lights and flags as he takes the oath of office. It's not quite the same as a normal inauguration, but a historic day nonetheless. And that's the end of our political banter for Indeed. today's podcast.
2: Factual. <laughs> Factual. And now we're done.
1: Now we're done. Okay. So um, we meant to talk about this topic yesterday, and frankly, we got um, hooked into talking about um, Zillow, which was something that I'm glad we talked about, because many of you reacted very positively uh, as we were, I think, confirming a lot of your suspicions about the fact that uh, Zillow is definitely not your business partner in the sense that uh, you know a business partner would normal normally be helping you in your business. Zillow has definitely been waiting in the tall grass for over a decade uh, essentially to displace you, to disintermediate you, and clearly that is what they're doing. Uh, And so we talked about that yesterday. Make sure you listen to yesterday's podcast. The day before that, we were talking about this very topic. And this topic is something that is near and dear to our hearts because of the fact that we have so many people joining our coaching business. Our coaching business focuses primarily on teaching agents a complete system, a system that's designed to um, get them into action, taking listings. So our business is primarily focused on agents who want to learn how to be listing agents because frankly, we know obviously we touch on the buyer sides. We touch on, you know, building a team or adding staff. We do all that stuff. But we want your focus always to be on being a powerful listing agent because that is where you ultimately get the most leverage. That is where you generate the most profits, frankly, and that's how you create a real business. Um, Focusing on buyers, as we discussed yesterday, is a bit of a a perilous path going forward. If you have not listened to that podcast, please do listen because I think you'll be very, very clear that the buyer agent business, as it's been um, really, I think, prevalent since the 90s, when buyer agents became a thing, I think you're really going to discover that that might not be the future you want to overinvest in, given what Zillow and so many other companies are doing. So please go back and listen to that podcast from yesterday. But today's podcast is, like I said, a continuation. It's a focus on what action steps you should be taking now if you're a new agent or really a returning agent. And by returning, I mean getting back in the business, but maybe returning emotionally to recommitting to your real estate career. Is that about right, Julie? Yeah,
2: that's right. So I think a lot of these points apply to everyone as a revisit to your education. You know, you can take any one of these points even if you are a fairly grizzled veteran and say, you know what, I need to brush up on that. I find that, you know, embracing the fact that knowledge equals confidence and ignorance equals fear, that's one of the core things here, right? So I I find a lot of returning agents, new agents, newer agents, they have kind of like an education deficit, an experience deficit, and that's really hard to just like give someone but these points are designed to shorten that learning curve
1: you have to acknowledge the fact and i don't want to that we won't drill down this on this too far but it's really important that you acknowledge the fact that um you're probably in a there's what four distinct arguably five distinct uh, they call it phases of learning or phases of mastery there's unconscious incompetence there's conscious incompetence there's uh, then there's, what's the next one?
2: Well, so you start out unconsciously incompetent, right? <laughs> I always right? get these confused. Which means you don't know what you don't know. Right. Just think like literally what they mean. Unconscious incompetence. Right. You don't even know that there's stuff you don't know. Until usually something kicks your butt. And then you move into the next stage, which is consciously incompetent. Now you have an awareness of your incompetence. This is usually when people invest in coaching. Uh, then you start to have conscious competence. You are working on your skills, but you still have to be conscious of the competency that you're working on, like you know getting your pre-listing package in gear and having a really great predictable um, listing presentation. But you're having to make the effort, so you're consciously competent. And it takes it,
1: mental yeah. and emotional effort because it's not you're not on autopilot. And the last phase is unconscious competence. That's where, where you don't have to think about it anymore. And then some people would argue yeah. that there's a phase beyond that. But just for the sake of expediency and explaining mm-hmm. uh, what we want you guys to understand is, is chances are if you're new – well, not chances are. If you're new in the business, you're unconsciously incompetent. In other words, you don't know what you don't know. And if you're returning in the business, maybe you've had a bunch of false starts, you're in that same phase too. And that phase is not something to be ashamed of. That phase is something to be embraced because it means that you're basically a blank slate. Now this is also the most vulnerable uh, phase that you can be in because you're going to be susceptible to charlatans. You're going to be susceptible to snake oil salesmen. You're going to be susceptible to people selling you shiny objects. Um, And so you gotta be really, really careful of guarding yourself, of protecting yourself. And you have to, you know, I was listening to something this uh, this morning and a new agent was describing how he couldn't believe as soon as his license number was issued, you know, there was essentially a tsunami of marketers that just basically hammered down on him, trying to sell them, him their wares. And all of it was shiny object stuff, all of those crap to generate leads and stuff that you know essentially had no real um, purpose other than delight in his wallet. And he was smart enough to realize that, but now he was looking for direction. So I'm going to give you guys a little uh, suggestion here. There's two ultimate paths you can take when building any business, especially you know a service business like what a real estate agent does you can decide to have a, a marketing based business that has a prospect this prospecting enhanced or your proactively generation enhanced or you can have a prospecting based business that is marketing enhanced so the first one that most people will prescribe to and most people find more attractive uh, is where you market and then you back it up by prospecting and the reason we don't suggest that is because you will in most cases not have the money or the financial staying power to basically see the marketing through and when you look at and Julie's writing a very kick-ass white paper on this right now we're studying essentially the 50 top sources of lead generation but primarily listing lead generation and we're going to score these um, each by essentially the amount of skill The amount of effort, and I mean, frankly, the amount of rejection you might experience, the amount of cost it takes to generate that particular, uh, you know, business from that particular source, um, and also, most importantly, the effectiveness of this. And I'm gonna, if you can imagine it, we're gonna give everything. Did you decide to do colors or numbers?
2: I haven't decided completely yet. Maybe both. Yeah, well, but we're going to give each one the treatment of is it effective, yes or no, rejection, yes or no, effort, skill, et cetera.
1: So for example, what most of you are going to be attracted to, and most of these marketers are going to try to get you to be uh, seduced by, is buying buyer leads. They're going to offer to run online media for you, generate leads on Facebook, do all this other stuff, or social networking and all that stuff. Well, that's going to be at the end of the spectrum that has no rejection, requires no skill, does require a lot of money, and has a ridiculously low return on investment, like single digit at best. But that's where most people are attracted. Now, why do they? Why do most agents go in that direction? Because they think it's going to make the money the fastest, and it doesn't. It makes the person selling you the service money the fastest. And also, it requires no skill, and it requires no rejection. In other words, you're not being asked to do the things you don't want to do when you don't want to do them at the highest level. But that's where a vast majority of people, not just in the real estate industry, but in life, that's where they migrate to, especially this time of year. I mean, look at all the people selling weight loss stuff, and they're all sort of spinning around. Around the same thing you know essentially no real effort r- real results for a lot of money it doesn't work that way nothing in life works that way guys you intuitively know what I'm telling you is true so As we're going through these points, I want you to write this down and never forget. You want to have a prospecting or a more modern way of saying it, a proactive lead generation based business that is marketing enhanced. You do not want to have a marketing business that's prospecting enhanced because the the marketing based businesses will require tons and tons of money. And if you do happen to make money from it, you will have virtually no profit because you'll spend all of your money from it. Many agents, when they fail out of real estate nowadays, they fail out of real estate with charged up credit cards simply because of the The fact that they did not do it in the right order prospecting based marketing enhanced and i'll tell you the little secret when you do a prospecting based marketing enhanced you will probably never want to do the marketing because you won't have to do the marketing because you'll realize that you can make enough money and your profit margins in your business are insane because you followed frankly the business advice I'm giving you now, which is build your business based on skills, build your based on being a proactively generator or prospector, and then enhance it with marketing, enhance it with social networking, enhance it with all the other stuff if you choose to, but then it's optional and I'm I assure you that many of you will be wise enough at that point not to ever want to spend your money on that stuff because you'll built yourself a very profitable successful business without having to fall prey to any of the gimmicks and you'll see them for what they are versus if you've done it the other way around what are you going to do when the first gimmick doesn't work you're just going to do another one and another one and another yeah, one
2: and meanwhile you're in contract with all of them to keep paying the remainder of the six months of what you agreed to even though it's not working
1: exactly you guys get the point here Lack Come on of
2: control is what it gets down to we
1: are telling you what you don't want to hear when you don't want to hear we're doing sure. it and we're doing it at the highest level (laughs) because it's the right thing to tell you it's the truth it's the bottom line no bs truth all right so julie let's get back to these points let's
2: try okay so point number nine if you missed the previous ones get caught up on your podcasts. point number nine we're talking about new newer or returning agents action plan 16 points number nine tour new construction if your area has it you will not find this in your mls in most cases Look in your local paper, use the magic Google button, tour all price ranges, and keep a new construction file so you know who's building what and where. Now, this has multiple we talk benefits. About we did talk about that. Yep. But- um, this also affects knowing what might be competing with your listings. That's one thing I didn't mention before.
1: Well, it's worth, just for that, one of the little yeah. hacks, because um, not all new construction is going to be in your MLS, obviously, right. is join your local BIA and they give you a we directory. And we did talk about that a lot on the first uh, series that we did the day before yesterday. So point number 10, Mrs. Harris.
2: Yes. Uh, if you are a coaching client, you're going to listen to visual accountability and whiteboards and do the homework. We also do touch on that in the Harris Rules book. Right which you can get on Amazon, Harris well, Rules. Well,
1: Amazon, Barnes & Noble, airport virtually of, every airport yeah. we've ever walked through all over the United States. It's for sale at Target. It's for sale at Walmart. Mm-hmm. It's for sale at, I mean, just everywhere. It's awesome to see. By the way, we always love it when you guys text put, uh, pictures yes. of you buying the book at a bookstore and please tell us what bookstore you bought it in. It just, you know, look, it's just for fun. It makes us feel good. It's great. <laughs> but the Harris yeah. Rules, which is uh, for sale everywhere, is over 400 five-star review book. It's becoming one of the best-selling real estate books of all time. This is your A to Z complete real estate system. So get Harris Rules. It is also available on Audible, and the feedback on the um, reviews on the Audible version is fantastic as well.
2: Yes. Yeah, so what what are we talking about? Visual accountability and whiteboards, and we've done entire dedicated podcasts on this. Is to surround yourself with all of your goals, right? So we're. T- you know, you're going to post this in your office, you're going to use whiteboards. Yes, we know you can spreadsheet everything. The point is visual accountability works. It almost works so well. It's almost like be careful what you wish for. So make sure you know what you're doing on the visual accountability. Point number 11, listen to 18 relentless lead follow-up rules and do the homework. Now, why do we need 18 rules? It's because you guys try and make it so complicated that we have to actually say, use your voice, okay? Pick up the phone, speak into it. If they texted you, there's no rule saying that you have to text them back.
1: What are the easiest no. ways to have an unfair advantage in your marketplace is adopting, and we talked about this in Harris Rules in our coaching, obviously, how your mindset about lead follow-up has to be furiously fast, mm-hmm. which is the exact opposite. You guys have experienced this too, how most agents operate. And in, look, voicemails full, emails don't get returned, just complete lack of communication. Well, imagine that from a consumer's perspective. Imagine that from a perspective of a Seller that's thinking about hiring you. Um, I remember many times when Julie and I would go on listing appointments, and even as busy as we work, because we were top producers selling between 100 and 200 houses a year, when we would get a call out from a seller, you better believe that everything took backseat to the calling that seller back and pre-qualifying them. And now, if we weren't there to urgently follow up on it for maybe on another appointment or whatever, we would have one of our uh, our her name was Kelly generally, and she would call them back, and she had a script that she would read. And she pre-qualified that seller and then she would send us that information we call them back right away so you do need to follow a script you do need to ask the, the same questions in the same order you do need to know all the things that are going to help you have an unfair advantage when competing for that listing appointment but the main thing is you have to have furiously fast lead follow-up which means you call people back within a minute or less the shorter the period of time between them contacting you and, and you calling them back is the better and by the way how about this answer the damn phone yeah. when it rings I posted them having to leave voice Oh there's different statistics on that that nowadays something like 10 people will call you only two people will leave a message um but and here just worth mentioning do not be sucked into the analytical diatribe about how there's different forms of communicating with people depending on how they communicate with you Ugh. screw all that somebody texts you you call them Somebody emails you call them if somebody basically messages you through facebook you call them if they don't give you their phone number if you can't easily find it you do message them back and you say what's your phone number so i can call you And if they don't give you a phone number, ditch the lead. They're not a real lead. It's not a real lead unless it's got a phone number and you can pre-qualify it.
2: Well, so here's the secret in that, Tim. They are way more likely to use you to, quote, convert from a lead to an actual client. When you talk to them at the moment, they are excited. Right. There's no it, awkward, like, how did you get my number going
1: on? But it's it's simply a, what everyone, again, intuitively knows. Look, if you think about different ways that you can have an impact on somebody, obviously face-to-face is going to be the most powerful. But if you can't be face-to-face, you know, COVID aside, you better sure as hell be voice-to-voice or camera-to-camera, right? The least effective way is going to be by sending messages, Sending messages is the least effective and yet that's what most of you do. You SMS, you voicemail, voicemail is better than a you know textual message. But the and I'll tell you what's more is we love bomb bomb video and all that, but that doesn't count, okay? you got to pick up the phone and have a real conversation. Just these one-way types of communication are putting you guys at a huge disadvantage. Any really top-producing agent, and I'm not talking about just the ones that sell tons of houses and have big teams, when Julie and I are focusing on who actually we want to bring to you as being someone you should admire in the marketplace, it's somebody that's been in the business for a long period of time, selling lots of houses for a long period of time. But most importantly, someone has a, a profit margin in their business of 60 to 70%. That's what we look for that's the litmus test of whether someone's a good business um, owner and especially selling real estate is whether you have margins that uh, that size and I have news for you guys and you might not know this most real estate brokerages make less than three percent that's their profit margin most real estate teams they'll make sometimes seven eight ten percent and that's great but I want you to put this in perspective just so you can understand that means that in order for that like a real estate team, on average, let's say, some team leader, you know, Bob the team leader, it's Bob's real estate team. They have a million dollars in gross revenue. All, all the team agents, you know, all the buyer's agents and all the ads and all the branding and all the Mickey Mouse marketing, and they're certainly not prospecting-based. They're definitely marketing-based because that's how most of you guys think you're supposed to build your business. Well, Bob's going to make, at best, probably $125,000. Now, Bob's going to rationalize that he wrote off his Escalade and his you know RV as a business expense, but really, at the end of the day, he made $125,000 dollars betty who's across the hall from old bob or if they're DXP, they're across the digital hall right that you know, Betty basically she only sold. Oh my gosh, old Betty she only did you know 175,000 in total revenue. Bob did a hundred a million. Bob gets all the awards, all the accolades. Bob is you know carried around on a red velvet chair, and they have created a Bob Day every every, every other Wednesday. Bob holiday. Bob a day, right? <laughs> Betty she just gets forgotten about. But Betty sold 175,000 or earned 175,000 gross revenue. But her net profit is actually the same, if not better than old Bob's. That's how life works, guys. And yet our industry celebrates Bob, doesn't celebrate Betty. Well, guess what? We celebrate a combination of both when we can find people that have high production businesses that have been in business for a long period of time, but also have ridiculously high profit margins. That's what you follow. Those are the models. Don't just follow the agents and the brokerages and frankly, the coaches and the quote unquote coaches who are teaching you how to sell lots and lots of houses and generate lots and lots of revenue that has no profit. Who cares about that? You got nothing to show for. it other than a bunch of people giving you recognition which you cannot eat or take to the bank or pay your mortgage payment with.
2: Yes. So point number 12, decide which three lead generation spokes you will pursue first. In other words, where will your business actually come from? And listen to coaching scripts, podcasts on those topics. What I, you know, people always ask like, what are your three favorite spokes, right? And I think everybody's a little bit different on this, but coaching wise, I think everyone should be working their center of influence all the time. But it's unpredictable. You can't tell me who from your database is going to list with you tomorrow.
1: She's telling you that because a lot of you guys plant your flag on that hill and you never move away from it. You just say I'm a center of influence and past client agent, and that's that. And you never actually go and re- you, you have unpredictable business. I don't care how well you work your center of influence. How many tchotchkes do you drop off and all the rest of it? At the end of the day, on all your Popeyes, you cannot predict who's going to sell. Do not tell me about your fancy AI algorithm. <laughs> At the end of the day, you cannot tell who's going to sell. It's essentially spinning the roulette wheel oh Tim I'll add more people and I'll increase my likelihood of those people choosing me statistically that's true but really you can manage a list of a thousand two thousand three thousand people you can really treat all those people like they're true centers of influence and past clients you can't that's not the way life works and by the way Julie said spokes on your wheel if you don't know what she's talking about you need to uh, finish your real estate treasure map the real estate treasure map is your fill-in-the-blank business and life plan we've already created it for you all you've got to do is print it out and fill it out how about that So just text 2021 to 855-685-1045, text 2021 to 855-685-1045, and the second you do, we're going to text you back a link, and you just click that link, and you can download the treasure map. Oh, and there's also six other books, including uh, Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate, your 12-monthly generation guide, all kinds of great stuff waiting for you. So just text 2021 to 855-685-1045.
2: Yes. So we talked about center of influence being an ongoing spoke that you're always adding to, you're always talking to, but you can't predict. Okay. So that doesn't mean you shouldn't be working it. It just means realize what kind of expectations to have. While that's going on, you then highly recommend, and we talked about this on previous podcast, making for sale by owners and expired your next spoke. I kind of look at that almost as uh, all one spoke because they are they're, they're cousins. You know the only difference is the for sale by owner has an extra conversation about listing the property. Why that spoke? Because they have their hand up. They say I have a house to sell. You can talk to far fewer of them and get faster, greater results. So there's been a lot of podcasts about spokes. So well, so as, as far as the there. spokes
1: guys, just get your treasure yeah. map done. You'll know what to do. But notice that the spokes that most of you are going to be attracted to. Like we were talking about earlier, are going to be the ones that require no skill and have no rejection, but also are going to have are the least likely to produce you results. And I'm going to give you guys a little test because I know some of you are thinking about doing businesses with some of these you know companies. Ask them how long it takes for you to actually see results where you're going to get a three or five or a ten x return on your investment. In other words, if they're asking you for for five thousand dollars, ask them how long on average it takes for you to say make fifty thousand off the five thousand you spent and here's what you're going to get static no answer and five months six months a year from now when whatever there is uh, whatever they're trying to get you to do isn't working you know what they're going to tell you do it longer you just haven't done it long enough and they're going to wait you out so one of two things will happen you'll get smart and you'll stop paying for it or you'll run out of money Because that's, generally speaking, how these businesses operate. And they know most agents are only in the business for two years or less. So they don't really care whether it works long term because they're not in the business to provide services for agents that are going to be in the business longer than two years. They're just looking for the agents that are going to buy a quick, shiny object every year. And that's what they do every single year. That is the industry. And all this it wasn't like this when Julie and I were selling real estate. All these little marketing companies basically cropped up after Zillow. And, um, you know, riding the wave that Zillow created from agent dependency on buying leads and teams and branding and marketing and all this stuff. So I'm going to go back to the premise that I just shared with you guys a second ago. You really need to seriously consider having a prospecting or proactive lead generation business. And if you choose to, have it be marketing enhanced. Don't do it the other way around.
2: Yes. So the next point is complete your pre-listing package after listening to all of the coaching that goes with your pre-listing package. The PLP, pre-listing package, gives you wings. Operating without it will keep you nervous, unwilling to prospect, and afraid of moving forward. You will continuously be freaking out in anticipation of of objections, your inability to handle objections, inability to close, which means, of course, you're gonna take too long to call your leads back, and when you do, you're gonna be afraid of competing. So the longer you take to get your pre-listing package done, your listing presentation, you I mean, you're just going to sit there and stagnate.
1: And by the way, the real, uh, the listen to me, the pre-listing pack is available for you as uh, being a coaching member of our coaching program. When you join our coaching program, there is a templated uh, pre-listing pack and you can finish it yourself. And all, by finish it, I mean just, you know, insert your information, your logos and whatnot. Or we have somebody on staff that can do it for you. Your pre-listing pack, when you use that as we prescribe, we'll get the listing for you, I mean, and I mean this in the literal sense. Mm-hmm. You send the pre-listing pack. You follow our system. That's going to do usually about 70 to 85 percent of the heavy lifting for you. And the it's your game to lose at that point. If you show up on time, if you're a professional, if you follow our scripts, if you look nice, if you you know basically are acting as we tell you to do in the coaching program, you're going to get the listing. Even if you're a brand new agent competing against a more experienced agent. When you see the pre-listing pack, you'll know why. What the pre-listing pack does is it removes all of the ugly, hairy, nasty questions uh, uh, that the seller might ask you. You're essentially answering all those questions prior to you getting there. And there's so much more to it too. So there's questions in there about, you know, maybe... You, Do you have an iBuyer program, Bob? No, yes, maybe so. Here's what Bob's iBuyer program, especially if he's part of EXP Realty. You know, what about cutting your commission, Bob? What do you do in the community? What's your marketing plan? What's your internet marketing plan? Tell me about your team or your staff. And, you know, all these other things. Tell me about, show me your resume. All this stuff is part of your pre-listing pack. And when you give that to the seller ahead of time before going on the listing appointment, you're actually going to make it so that when you get there, they're actually going to appreciate the fact that you did the pre-listing pack for them so that the appointment itself doesn't have a lot of stress in it for them. They don't want you in their house. They don't want to have to talk with you about cutting commissions or pricing. You've eliminated all that stress. And by the way, it eliminates stress for you and it makes it so you're not winging it and you know that you're going to have a predictable result. One of the pages that we ask you to include in your pre-listing pack is the Seller Survival Guide. Mm -hmm. And what that is is a series of up to 20 questions that you give to the seller to use when interviewing you or Along with
2: your answers. Along with
1: your answers. But the real reason we created it is because these are 20 questions that we want to give the seller. And these are ugly, hairy, hard to ask questions, let alone almost impossible for an agent to answer unless they really know their stuff. We want the seller using that survey, those questions, when interviewing any agents you're competing against. And again, the way it's formatted is that, you know, I don't remember the first question is, but the essence of it is, is what's your, how long have you been in the real estate business? And then underneath it would say, you know, your information. Information. You're Bob. Bob's been in the real estate business for, you know, 36 months and he comes from a family of real estate agents and he, he's bought and sold real estate, whatever, right? Something brief that describes what your background is. The next question is, what's your average list to sell price ratio? Remember, this is the seller interviewing the other agent. And the other agent probably isn't going to know the answer to the question, never even heard that uh, question asked of them before. And what you're going to say underneath in the uh, co-op age or the agent they're interviewing is not going to see the answer. According to the lo- you know, the uh, Milwaukee Board of Realtors, the average list to sell price ratio is 97 7.4%. Bob's list list to sell price ratio is ninety nine point two percent based on sales from the past twelve months or whatever, right? So not only is it asking the tough question, it's giving the right answer, and it's making the other agent look. What, frankly, they should look like, which is incompetent. The seller will very quickly get through maybe five or six of these questions, and then they'll see that the based on the answers that you're giving the seller, they'll quickly see that that other agent is just winging it, and you instantly will be seen and again. Your game to lose. You'll instantly be seen as a high, on a higher level than that other agent. This is all part of our proven listing system. We're the only ones that are doing anything like this. This is what we want you to learn and understand is the power is always on the listing agent side of the things. So you might as well learn the right way to be a listing agent. You don't have to wait to be a listing agent. You don't have to join a team to be a listing agent. You don't have to suffer through hours of, you know, buyer appointments and having the market hand you your butt because, frankly, you're not a listing agent trying to get buyers into houses. You don't have to do any of that. You can skip the line and go right to being a listing agent.
2: Yes, I have a funny quick story about this, Tim, from a coaching client. I had one of our coaching members tell me, okay, finally, I'm going to drill down. I'm going to get my pre-listing package done. I said, really, what made you cross that bridge? He said, you know, I was on a listing appointment the other day for four hours, four hours. He said, I was trying to close, but I couldn't do it because I kept getting all these objections and I couldn't even get out of the house. So I finally just cut my commission and gave them their price. That's not a predictable outcome. Nope. Okay. That is not the goal. That, that's just like giving up. So how many of you guys cut your commission because it's the only way the seller knows how to sort you out and because you haven't defended yourself, pre-listing package fixes all that.
1: Julie's touching on something that is an interesting subject for me and we don't have enough time left on today's show, but I'm just going to bottom line it for you guys. You are in a competitive business. There is only one winner. Yeah. Your competition is not the version of yourself from yesterday. Your competition is from the agent that you're competing with to get that listing contract signed. You've got to realize that. I know there's a lot of woo-woo, touchy-feely, don't want to have anyone's feelings hurt if they don't win, but you've got to have your feelings hurt if you don't win. That's the market telling you that you're not good enough to win yet. You've got to really be careful of who you're listening to. There is only one winner when you're getting a contract signed. There is only one listing commission paid when you're getting a contract signed. And if you basically are saying, well, you know what? I'm on my journey. I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn. But I felt good. And they gave me some good feedback. You didn't get the contract signed. You're not going to get the commission check. You're not going to pay your bills. So move past the touchy-feely woo-woo stuff that people are trying to convince you. In other words, they're trying to soften the blow from failure. No, enjoy the – well, not enjoy, but suffer the pain from failure because it's your natural inclination then once you've experienced the pain of failure to move away from that pain and never experience it again. And the best way for you to do that is experience failure head on, experience rejection head on, suffer through it, realize it wasn't that big of a deal, then you're like a thousand st- times stronger than you ever thought you were um and you are by the way and then you follow the system and then you start getting proven results you cross that bridge with us guys you're never going to basically be a sucker to all the sucker plays that people spend their money on as far as these, you know, whiz bang shiny nickel object ideas. And I cannot believe the things that are being sold to agents nowadays. It's so preposterous. And you have to accept the fact that you are unconsciously incompetent. In other words, you don't yet have, you will if you stay in the business long enough, but you don't yet have the filters to discern what you should or shouldn't be doing. So just remember if it's being sold to you as easy and painless, it's probably something you should be avoiding i'm sorry guys that is the truth But it's also the thing that's going to make it so that you're going to be the most successful long term. Anything else you'd like to say to these guys? As
2: always, get to work. Don't wait. It's not going to get any better. And if somebody told you that you can expect to take 50% of what you go on, that is the definition of failing. She
1: means don't set the bar that you're accepting 50% failure. You go on 10 listings, you take 9. That's our rule. Otherwise, you are failing. i will like 10
2: better, but I'll take
1: 9. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So get to work.
0: You guys have a great day.